the Blues Hockey Podcast. Your host, Jason, along with Chris. Yo. All right. And finally, at the start of the season, we had a fun show with uh, the guys in Brook Royal. I thought it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed our season preview uh, podcast. But we got a, had a fun time. Yep. Got a bunch of different uh, stuff to go over today. We got some Blues news, some NHL news, the first four games. I would say okay so far to describe the start. Above average. Yeah, I think they did good. A couple games looked okay, and one game not great at all. We'll talk good about time. that. Uh, Blues injury, we'll talk about that. A couple guys yeah. called up and a little shuffling of the uh, taxi squad and NHL squad. And uh, we'll go and we'll wrap it up from there. So the first thing that we will go over is all the Blues games from this week. So the Blues finally get to start the 2020-2021 season. Technically, it's only in 2021 season. Correct. So they start their abbreviated 56-game season. Uh, very different season with only playing guys in your division, playing teams multiple times in a couple of days. And that's how they start their season. So they start off the season with a bang. And they start off against the Colorado Avalanche. We should say everybody's preseason favorite to win this down the Colorado Avalanche. Pretty much almost, I would say, a solid 40% of, at least 40 to 50% of what I saw on uh, the NHL.com picks were yeah. the with them to win it with McKinnon being the uh, consummate winner. Correct. So... First game they play, they start the game on January 13th. They start, so they obviously we talked about this. It's going to be weird where the, where basically the Blues travel to a city, and the way it's set up is a little weird, but it's all for, obviously, precautions against COVID. They yep. are basically bound to the hotel and the rink. It's the only two places they can go. Like, if you go to Colorado, you can't go out, out in Colorado if you're a visiting team. Right. If you're you a home team, you can do whatever. So it's interesting that it's like being the home team. You can kind of like – it's another advantage being the home team because you can kind of go out and do whatever you want. I mean, if you yes. want go to go out to grab a bite to eat or if it's obviously allowed, you can go do that. If you want to go uh, do whatever to get yourself ready for the game, you can go do that. You're not bound to stay in one spot like everybody is. Uh, the visiting team is. So the Blues go to Colorado and start the season. And I think – We'll go. We'll go goal by goal here, but I think that Blues play pretty well. I would say ninety percent of this game. Yeah, you know, I was a little concerned with the fact that they started taking penalties almost immediately, um, and that seems to be a continuous problem. Yeah, we're in getting the first to that. Four games of the season, um, the Blues seem to be spending a lot of time on the penalty kill, um, but. You know, and it especially concerned me with a team like Colorado, as high-powered as they are with all the weapons they have. Um, but we weathered the storm relatively well. We we dropped down one nothing early. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, um, Bennington looked fantastic. And, I you know, it, he didn't really have a chance on that goal that they gave up. Um but I thought that he kept them in the game in that in that first period. Yeah, I think when there was a little bit of a push by Colorado, the blue or he had the answer in the Blues. I think overall the defense looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, as Chris alluded to, the Blues fell down early in the first, about the five minute mark. Andre Burakowski gets his first of the year from Comfort and Gerard on the power play. Uh, this is kind of like a broken play where it was the second shift is near the end of the po- the power play, the second one they already had of the game, and. Um, the puck just came across the uh, crease to Barkowski, who one-timed it and kind of, I would say, didn't get everything on it, which I think threw Bennington off. It was a little and, bit of a knuckleball. Yeah, and it beat him on his blocker side for the uh, one nothing lead. Uh, about five minutes later, though, the Blues come back on one of the one of the reasons why Robert Thomas got moved up into the top six for his playmaking ability and mm-hmm. passes like this. Uh, breaking into the zone on the left-hand side and basically does a puck between his legs and through the defender's legs to Schwartz, who feeds a streaking Oscar Sundquist and uh, Baby Draft gets his first goal of the year from Schwartz and Thomas. 
the thing that I noted about this game early on, and it and it held the entire time of the game, was the Blues looked fast, like very fast. Even against a team like Colorado that's noted for his speed, it, it looked and felt like the Blues were outskating the Avalanche. And that's something that I don't think anyone expected at all. Yeah, which um, the additions of Krug, Hoffman, and Jordan Kyrie being a full time, you could tell definitely the difference of the transition game was. Yes. As soon as the puck was out of the zone, it was quickly into the Colorado zone. Uh, they did a really good job of getting into the zone quickly, which in the past we always seem to kind of not really be moving fast. So it was great to see and that. I thought the Blues did a very good job of holding the zone too. There were numerous times in this game where the Blues completed full line changes while in the offensive zone. Yeah, and it's, it's good to see something like that, especially uh, – Oh, your first game of the year, you just do, you know, obviously working out the kinks, which we'll get into uh, as we go on. But uh, it was good to see that the defense was stepping up and playing well. I thought Colton Preco had a really good game. So, I thought everyone uh, did. I thought that Folk had a good game. Yeah, and we'll talk about uh, him later in this podcast. So uh, Jordan Cairo, which I've been probably over, maybe, over, maybe overly critical of him, but uh, – he gets his first of the year from Bozak and Sanford and a really good tic-tac-toe play here. And yes. Bozak feeds right across to Sanford after our from to Cairo after Sanford stole the puck at the 13-15 mark of the first period. So Cairo with his first from Bozak and Sanford. Um, I really this line was pretty good the whole time. Uh yeah, it was. Jordan Cairo, especially making plays, um, you know, taking the puck along the boards and winning, you know, doing a decent job on the boards compared to in the past, you lose those or he would try to deke around every single person and lose the puck and go the other way. So uh, it's nice to see him get on the board early and get confidence early. In a way, his development this year reminds me of the development of David Perron. You know, if you remember back to when Perron was a rookie and even his second year, he kind of had this, when he had the puck, the I'm going to do everything mentality. Like, I'll skate around all five guys. I don't need to pass. I'll do the whole damn thing and score. When it worked, he looked all world. But there were so many times where he would get stuck in the corner or, you know, just try to, you know, stick handle around the fourth person and ended up getting his pocket picked. And then as, as his game progressed and as he matured in the NHL, you saw him start to realize and understand how to use his four other teammates to his advantage to get himself open to score goals. And I think in the case of Kairou and this goal, that's a perfect example of what you saw. Instead of him just trying to do the whole damn thing himself, he passed it to Bozak, who got it right back to him, and that let him have that open net for the shot in, and, and the Blues go up 2-1. Yeah, so that was good confidence booster from him, and the team looked really good there. Second period, not much going on, kind of a little bit of back and forth. Um, more penalties taken by the Blues, of course. That's a, like we talked about. That's not, hopefully that doesn't turn into an issue. But they kind of did better in the third. There's no penalties taken in the third. And, of course, this happens. So new guy, Kyle Clifford, on his birthday, gets his first of the year from Barbashev at about the seven-minute mark of the third period. Barbashev steals the puck behind the net after uh, Clifford took a hit along the boards to get the puck in deep. So it's stuff like that where you like to see that from your fourth line. He takes the hit, sticks with it, gets to the front of the net, and Barbashev gets to him out front. And Clifford beats uh, Philip Grubauer for a 3-1 to one lead. Um, nice to see Clifford getting a goal early on, too, when a lot of people were kind of like wondering why we signed a guy like him during the offseason. Yeah, I think that, you know, and we talked about this in the last podcast with the guys in Brook Royal, was that, you know, Clifford fills that position that we haven't really had since uh, Ryan Reeves. And obviously both are known for their toughness and their scrappiness, but both can put a couple of pucks in the net. And and that goal from Clifford was was right place, right time, and a great shot by him. Yep. And so something similar kind of happens a little bit later on as the Blues, I think, continue to kind of have some pressure or hold possession of the puck. 
Um, Colorado has some good chances. And anytime Nathan McKinnon's on the ice, it's always, you know, a chance for the them to score because he's that great of a player. But a uh, nice steal behind the net by uh, Schwartz and Thomas. And Thomas feeds Oscar Sundquist, who first shot hits Grubauer, who is kind of unaware of that's coming. And by the time Grubauer, you know, tries to get a handle where it's at, Oscar Sundquist gets it behind him for the – Second of the game, second of the year. Same thing before. Oscar Sunquist from Thomas and Schwartz at the 14-22 mark. And the Blues hold on for a 4-1 to win in the first game of the uh, season for them. A very convincing win. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to nitpick this win. Obviously, you would like to see the Blues not take as many penalties. Um, but they did, I think, a, a phenomenal job on the penalty kill. Um, you know, they were what? three for four on the PK. Yes. On this game, they are three for four. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they didn't convert on the power play and that's something that I'm sure we'll talk about as we continue to go through games. Um, but by and large, this was a great win. The team looked strong. They looked fast. Um, their ability to hold in the offensive zone was great. Their ability to clear the defensive zone was, was fantastic. Bennington looked great. Um, it, it, it was hard to find anything to complain about in this game. Now, let's fast forward two days later. It's hard to find anything good to say about that game. Yeah, so basically the Blues did everything the opposite of what they were supposed to be doing from the first game. That is true. So they come into this one in Colorado, obviously not thrilled with how the uh, – uh, game went and no. just poured it on to the blues early and often and the wind up chasing Jordan Benenson after two periods Philly Hoso gets his first NHL action and promptly puts up about a 50% save percentage uh that's not an indictment on him by the way that's not me no. saying it's his fault that's the blues and in general were awful um let's note one thing they were down early uh his first shift of the game Rob Bortuzzo takes a hit from Valley Nishkushin um I thought was a which was I thought was a uh penalty not a penalty he took two more shifts one <laughs> being about 30 seconds and one being about three seconds and he was done after that so Blues are down to five defensemen about three minutes into the game so that didn't help at all. Can we talk about that hit for a minute? Because I think it's worth noting something we didn't talk about in game one. Uh, Sammy Blay gets a two-game suspension for a uh, a hit on um, is it Devin Kane? Uh, Devin Taves. Devin Taves, that's right. Sorry, wrong Blackhawk last name. Yeah, correct. On Devin Taves, which, you know, I don't think it was an intentional hit. I don't think he aimed for the head, but nonetheless – uh, Sammy Blay makes contact with Devin Tay's head behind the net. Uh, he's uh, he's out for a period and a half, about maybe. Yeah, he comes back and plays the game. Uh, Sammy Blay gets a two game suspension, and Blay did get Blay did get a two minute minor on the play. Correct, and it was a two minute minor. Two days later, this hit to Robert Bertuzzo happens in the first five minutes. There's no penalty, and furthermore. There's no hearing. There's no supplemental discipline at all. And Robert Bertuzzo is out with concussion. Yeah, he is officially on IR after this game. Uh, that's the big news coming out of this game. So the Blues just pretty much get rolled really yeah, often. Uh, the Blues did not even look like uh, it was, I would like, I compared to a high school uh, varsity versus JV team. It yeah, was it was good. bad. They looked completely outmatched in every regard. Yeah, they pretty much just that smoked uh, everywhere. Pretty much, let's put it that way. They they were just look bad. It's we're not gonna go goal by goal here because it's just ridiculous. They just put it this way. The Blues got rolled eight to nothing. Um, I thought it was interesting though that the Blues, well, as we talked about when they did like the weekly rankings going into today's last night's game, the Blues are dropped down quite a bit, and Colorado like has the same record as us outside of the one game where they like did really well against us. They barely won, and they lost, obviously, 4-1 to one against us. So why are they ranked number three and we're ranked number 15? Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, like we said earlier, Colorado is everyone's darling this year. 
Um, I thought it was interesting. I'm just like, it's just like I how, how this game, they just propped them up so much after this game. I'm like, wow, they're yeah. going to be such a great team. And then they barely won the next game, but they lost the first game and they didn't look great in that game. You can argue if the Blues won 8-1 to one the first game or 7-1 to one or something like that, and then they lost this game, is it considered they still think it's highly the Blues? I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was just like, is weird just to see that considering you know they're just like you said they're preseason darlings so oh i think the other part is i don't know if the national media knows what to make of the st louis blues quite yet you know i think everyone is still stuck on the fact that the blues lost alex petrangelo um that the team wildly underperformed in the bubble and you know i i think that through the first week Krug and Hoffman have been okay. Not great, but okay. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of people who still don't really know what the Blues are. I think they think the Blues are good, but I think that they're looking at the Blues as probably the third best team in the West behind Colorado and and Vegas. Um, But we'll see. I mean, obviously we've shown – that we can beat Colorado. We did it fairly easily in the first game. We've also shown that if we don't go out and play to our potential, we'll get our doors blown off. So, you know, I I, I think we're much better than the 15th ranked team in the league for sure. Yeah, I, I would that. say I was... that we're easily a top 10, maybe a top five. I thought it was interesting. We were preseason ranked for like power ranked for number four, which was interesting, right. which was like great. And then all of a sudden you'd fall down 11 spots and you're two and one. Anyway, so we're going to the next game. The Blues play the San Jose Sharks. So, obviously, Sharks, much different-looking team compared to the past. Uh, Joe Thornton is no longer there. Uh, obviously, Joe Pavelski moved on last year. Um, and then we were in Devin Dubnik to help shore up their goaltending. Mm-hmm. And the Blues get to face Devin Dubnik in his San Jose Sharks debut. Didn't start off great for the Blues, though. Um, thought they were kind of tentative to start. Uh, yes. considering I didn't think the Sharks are that fast of a team to me. Because, you know, the Blues, how much speed they had in the first game, it seems like they kind of dialed it back this game and obviously the 8 nothing game. And right. Kevin LeBanc gets his first year from Burns and Couture, so at 11.38 mark. Pretty much the Blues are playing really well in this couple, like for like a two-minute mark here. They play like really well. Then San Jose just gets like a little push here. And a shot from the point is deflected by LeBanc and – there's a massive screen in front, and Bennington had no chance on this. He didn't even see the puck get deflected because he was sliding to his blocker side where the puck was going. So it made that big of a change, and uh, one nothing lead for the San Jose Sharks. Oh, uh, it's Logan Couture, Chris's favorite player. Ugh. It gets his first year from uh, his second favorite player, Thomas Hurdle. And uh, Brett Burns on the power play at the 14-18 mark. Um, once again, I thought it was not much that uh, excuse me, Bennington could do because Hurdle made a pretty decent move in the slot and drew a couple guy a guy towards him, and he slid it right across to Couture, who was one time that had a wide open net, yep. nothing he could do about it. And the Blues, after one, are losing two nothing, and I thought they were like not didn't play awful. Like, I thought, as weird as it sounds, the Blues won the period in every stat except for goal scoring. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, it's come out strong to start the second. And what do they do to start the second? We take a penalty. Yeah. So 29 seconds in, Falk trips Timo Meyer and goes to the box. So the Blues, mind you, this other stat we really didn't get into in the Colorado, the second Colorado game because we didn't talk. We don't want to talk. I got to talk about that trash of a game. The Blues were uh, one for seven, not on the power play, on the penalty kill. Yeah. That's right. Six power play goals for Colorado, which that is uh, uh, very unacceptable. That's uh, that's insane that it's that high. It shows you how good Colorado is when you they have the man advantage. So something to watch out for in later uh, meetings. So, But the Blues kill off the uh, power play, and Barbara gets the puck, and – a really great thing about not having fans, unfortunately, now is that you kind of hear the players through yes, the broadcast. I saw that or, no, or heard that, yeah. 
So you so you could hear the bench screaming at Barbashev, yelling yelling pass. At least from what I could tell, or just something along matter, like yelling to look up, and because he was going to fire this puck after he got in the slot, and he knew it was the end of the power play. But Falk just steps out on the ice and he hits Falk in stride, who has a one-on-one with the defenseman. And Falk, man, that's a hell of a shot. Like he snipes mm-hmm. a shot past Devin Dubnik for his first of the year, 236 mark of the second period, a two to one lead, or excuse me, two to one lead for San Jose. Uh, shortly after that, about a minute and a half later, Mike Hoffman gets his first of the year. Not exactly the Mike Hoffman-esque goal we were hoping for and seeing the highlight reels. Uh, he tips a Colton Preco shot. Past Devin Dubnik. Uh, Bozak gets the other assist there at the 409 mark. So the Blues tied up relatively quickly into the second period. And you're like, all right, looking good. And of course, uh, another penalty and then a power play goal at the 1206 mark. Brent Burns helping my fantasy team out a bunch. I'll say that much. Gets uh, his first from Kane and Hurdle. And quickly. The Blues counter. Braden Shen gets a nice uh, pass from Jordan Cairo at the 14-17 mark. Blues tie it back up. And lo and behold, who gets the go-ahead goal here going into the at the 19-minute mark? That'd be Justin Falk. It's second of the game from Perron and O'Reilly. So Blues, a crazy period of being down 2 nothing, and now they're winning 4-3 to three going into the thir- third period. All right, so early on, I think, I think what's craziest about this fault goal was it's really a David Perron goal, and Falk happened to get his stick in the right place and deflect it. Um, but and, and Falk even admits he's like, Perron did all the work on that. All I had to do was get my stick on the ice and let Perron use it as a bank shot. Um, but it's it's interesting to me that this is game three and what has typically last year been the big guns for the blues haven't found the back of the net yet. Perron doesn't have a goal. O'Reilly doesn't have a goal. Shen's got one. Um, but you know, the guys who really, right. The guys who by and large led the way offensively aren't on the board yet. You've got, you know, two from Sunquist, two from Falk. Kairou's got, got one he's got another one coming in this game you know you you, you're getting a good spread of goal scoring but your big guns aren't putting in offensively yet yeah so that's that's like i guess the positive note i was going to bring up as we go through these games that your top players haven't really got going yet so once your top players get going and you hopefully your guys like jordan Cairo and your oscar sunquist are playing just as well that your team will be clicking on all cylinders and you'll be in good shape. Uh, so hopefully that keeps, you know, that will click soon, but uh, it's early in the season. We're only on four games in, but with a short season, you don't have that time to kind of hopefully guys get going sooner than later. You gotta, you gotta get going quicker. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the blues start off the third period really well, I think from my notes here. And I thought they had a couple chances to score here and Kind of a weird play here where Logan Couture gets his second of the game, second of the year from LeBanc and Simic at the 417 mark. It's a shot that basically is a save by uh, Bennington, and then the puck goes behind the net and is pretty much along the like goal line that goes across from uh, end board to the end board. Mm-hmm. And Couture, I'll give him credit, has it puts it right where he needs to, and it banks it right up perfectly off Bennington's pad into the back of the net as Bennington's trying to slide in position and Bennington knew it since it hit his pad. So once again, a lot of stuff for Jordan Bennington. I haven't seen a quote unquote bad goal yet. Mind you, he's letting a a lot, maybe more than he wants to the first uh, couple games. But I think overall he's made some good saves and we'll talk about the next San Jose game where I think we're starting to see the Jordan Bennington that we expect to see. Mm -hmm. So uh, on a delayed penalty here, the Blues are hoping to get a power play here about halfway through the game, halfway through the, uh, excuse me, halfway through the third period. Uh, Jordan Cairo gets a pass on Colton Pareko's, Pareko's going towards the net, and Pareko, excuse me, Jordan Cairo snipes a shot 
top corner over Devin Dunick's uh, glove side for his second of the year at the 10-28 mark from Preco. And Corey Krug gets his first point as a St. Louis Blue. And it winds up being on the game-winning goal. The Blues hold on for a 5-4 win, first home win. So the home opener this year, uh, Blues win. And a, a very, I'll say, exciting game. It was very back and forth. So it was good to see them pull out the 5-4 win. So It was uh, it was a good game. Uh, I was happy to be there with my dog virtually. Yeah, I would. Somewhat my streak of home openers alive. Yeah, so it was good. To, yeah, Chris, is, uh, I saw your picture there we saw on the uh, – Blue social media posted. I was able to zoom in and find Chris and his dog in the uh, top or up left corner of one of those pictures. Yep. Check out our social media. You'll, you'll see that uh, picture. So, Blues um, get to play San Jose once again with a weird schedule. Not back to back nights, but every other night. So, and once again, a little bit later start. I know one, we had a friend who was a little concerned about the uh, late start, quote unquote, late start for a home game, but eight o'clock. Weird start time, but next week is going to be interesting where we get every game is at 8 o'clock next week when they hit the West Coast. Yep. So play San Jose one more time. You know, day after day, excuse me, the day after inauguration day. So a lot of uh, a lot of other stuff going on in the news, but Blues play San Jose in a very – can I call this game boring? You can. Um, if you're a fan of goal scoring, it was very boring. I thought that the, the first two periods were, were good. The third period I thought was boring. I thought overtime was we'll, – we'll talk about it when we get to overtime. I yeah. personally think that San Jose was playing for the shootout. Yes, that was, that was more than blatantly obvious there. That, so the first period, uh, nothing's really going on again. Uh, I thought Bennington was on it. I did too. Early. I think he kept them in the game. Yeah, early on had some good saves, and I think as the game went on, the Blues seemed to not play as well. There's a lot of line shuffling here. Uh, Zach Sanford got moved down. Hoffman got moved up with O'Reilly and Perron, and I seemed to kind of get them kind of going. Um, I think it seems like it's taking some time to gel, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about one thing. The Blues had to do some shuffling for this game. So Carl Gunnarsson is in. Yep, because Bertuzzo's out. Bertuzzo's out. So Gunnarsson's played the last two now. But in the morning, Colton Pareko has been taking, quote-unquote, maintenance days for practices lately. But he's played the games. And from what I can tell, seemed okay. Yeah. For all, I mean. And then also – Right before in the morning skates, Marcus Candela had a maintenance day. Still skated a little bit, but didn't take that long. Not that longer than Pareko. So everybody's like, oh, Pareko may, maybe Pareko may not play. Maybe it's whatever. So right before game time, we find out that a couple of changes. One, uh, Sammy Blay is back in, back from his suspension. So Kyle Clifford is sitting on the bench, uh, sitting this game, which is okay. Which you don't expect him to play every game because, you know, that's the role that he's more for toughness and – Maybe a game like this where you need a little more skill, you go with Sammy Blay over uh, – and I thought Sammy Blay played really well. Um, but our defense had quite the shakeup. So we with Bortuzzo going down, they had to re- they put, move Gunnarsson into that slot. They recalled uh, Jake Wallman and Jake Neighbors into the – from the uh, AHL to the taxi squad. Uh, the taxi squad, and now Nico Mikola is now jumping into the game from the taxi squad. So mm-hmm. he plays his first, I understand, his first NHL game, but um, first game of the season. Well. I thought he played really, really well. I was like, I wow, we have some depth on the left hand side now. It's, Boy, do we. It's, uh, it's interesting if Mikola plays, continues to play this way this whole season. It's very interesting when it comes to the offseason because then you have guys like, you have Scandella, Krug, Dunn, Mikola, Peronovich. Guys are – yeah, that's – and Gunnarsson, I'm guessing, will probably not be re-signed. I'd be surprised, uh, but yeah. never know. If, if he plays the right side, it's a possibility. But if you have this much depth, it's kind of hard to spend that much money on a guy just for depth. I agree. But, man, for the left-hand side is really well, so I wouldn't be surprised if they use that depth to shore up another position in the offseason. 
especially if you're going to trust Mikola. And there's also a guy, Tyler Tucker, in the minors who hasn't really got a chance yet, but was pretty well in the OHL last year. So you never know. The Blues, if they, they keep drafting pretty well on the left side of the defense right now. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Blues to get the first goal of the game, Braden Shen. Finally. Yeah, it's first uh, first time this year. Took the third, uh, fourth game. Uh, Shen from Cairo and Dunn. Uh, so Cairo had a nice little drop pass here, and it was almost funny because both Shen and Krug are right there. Mm-hmm. Either one of them probably could have buried this, but Shen, but Krug luckily backed off just enough for Shen to put it over Martin Jones, who was in net this time for the San Jose Sharks, over his glove, and Krug goes barreling past Martin Jones, but the Blues get the goal. Is unfortunately short-lived for this and near the end of the second period. Marcus Sorensen gets his first of the year from Nieto and Ferraro. Uh, good save by once again, Benito making a lot of great saves, keeping him into it. Saves the shot from Nieto, and puck goes to Sorensen. And unfortunately, Krug is behind him and not in front of him. If he was just a step in front of him, he probably would have been able to take him out. But by the time he gets to him. Sorensen's bearing the rebound past uh, Bennington, who once again, I don't think had much much of a chance on this one either. Uh, like you said, the third period, Bennington, a lot of uh, San Jose shark shots here, and I thought the sharks played really, really, really well. And yeah, I did too. And the Blues were, you know, barely kept into it in between and all the penalties. So once again, a lot of penalties, seven penalties total this game. Uh, it's luckily, a problem. It is getting to be a problem. They, right now they have 22 in four games. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, you're averaging five and a half penalties a game. Yeah, so you're basically that's penalizing yourself. A period. Yeah, you're the, penalizing yourself of 20% of the game. Yeah. You're shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, luckily the, the penalty kill, aside from that 8 nothing blowout, the penalty kill's been decent. But – you, you can't spend that much time shorthanded in the game and expect to continue to win games. Not in this division. There's too many good teams. Even, I mean, look at San Jose, which we all thought was going to be a mid-pack to low team in this division. They can hang with you. They're still a professional hockey team with some damn good players. And if you give any team in this league the man advantage five times in a game, Odds are they're going to find the back of the net at least once. Yeah, unfortunately, Blues have not done that yet, and the power no. play has not looked great so far. Well, we talked about that. Power play has looked terrible. Over eleven right now. Um, kind of changed things up. They moved Cairo, got some time on the power play at the end of this go- this game, so maybe he'll start making it into the second unit of the power play. It just seems like they're out of whack. It seems very much hot and cold. Uh, if they looked like they had some momentum uh, during the first San Jose game, they had a couple of good power plays. Hit the post, I believe. Dunn did in this in the uh, first game on the power play, and then on, and then during this game, they just looked, they looked confident on the, the two that I had wrote down a second. I, I put a uh, POS power plays, so they, they they just didn't look great, to say no. the least. Mm-mm. So third period is uh, all Jordan Bennington. So mm-hmm. some great saves here to keep the Blues very. It's very it's very interesting to still watch Jordan Bennington even now. It's we're a couple years into watching him now. When you make saves, sometimes it looks so like effortless, and it's very like I'm like, did he save it? Where's the puck at? Oh, it's in his glove. Yeah, he just like he doesn't do over a lot of motions. He's he just very just like you said, calm and just kind of makes the save and moves on. Yeah, when uh, Bennington's on his game, it, it, it doesn't look like he's even trying. And, uh, well, I, the one note I also do have, uh, too, that we forgot during the first period um, and uh, staff in this game. So there were four uh, San Jose power plays, or excuse me, four, four San Jose Blues power plays on four San Jose penalties. All four penalties were from one player. Correct. So uh, Evander Moneybags, Evander, Evander Moneybag uh, Gaines, Gaines <laughs> is uh, uh, committed all four penalties, uh, a couple trips. Uh, the one that I've noted here where he, let's say, call it the midsection of the uh, lower tri- abdomen. 
yeah, the yeah, the little old, the lower abdomen of uh Jordan Bennington, he got speared. Uh yes. wow, mind you, they were on the power play when that happened. Mm-hmm. So he negated a power play by like blatantly with nobody around him and right in front of the ref. And the ref's just like, that's a penalty. If you didn't see it, look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. Plenty of yeah, gifts he just out there. He turns around and puts the blade of his stick right in Bennington's junk. Yeah. So, um, and uh, and the, the quote which we'll get into what after the game, uh, the play uh, the writers asked Bennington, "What did you do to? Did you do something to Evander Kane?" And his quote was, "Not today." I guess. All right. Maybe some retribution there. I don't know. So over time, we slightly alluded to before. Very boring. Oh. A lot of cycling, not only by the Blues, but San Jose had the puck a good portion of the time, and they I'd just say cycled. Three minutes out of the five, and they cycled, and cycled. Came in for a shot, cycled back out. Yeah, and not just like cycle to the corner or cycle to the point, but like drug the pack, drug the puck back to center ice or their own zone and reset, like. like it was every time. I think even Pang made the comment that it looked like San Jose was playing for a shootout. Yeah, I mean, it, it made sense because look, seeing some of the percentages they were on, Ryan Donato had nearly a sixty percent conversion rate. Logan Tours in the high forties. So I mean, I guess I don't blame him to a degree for doing the that. The only thing, the only reason that I wouldn't do that is when it comes to playoff seating and if you're in or not. Don't you get more point? Not more points, but does uh, regulation win or regulation win overtime wins? Don't those wins, count yeah. more than shootout wins? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, why you wouldn't play to win in overtime? I I, I don't get, but wh- whatever. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, interesting strategy there. So, uh, but the Blues decided to shoot first. Uh, Perron misses on the backhand. Uh, Ryan Donato saved by uh, Bennington. O'Reilly goes to the backhand, he misses. Uh, Logan Couture gets saved. Uh, Raiden Chen with the shots and uh, save again. Uh, Kevin LeBanc save Jordan Cairo and Jordan Cairo didn't really do much. I didn't think he tried to go high glove, but didn't both uh, both him and Chen tried to go high glove, but it did not raise it high enough. and uh, easy safer there. And then Tomas Hurdle gets the goal as the eighth shooter of the shootout. And the San Jose Sharks squeeze out a two to one shootout win, which makes it the first win over the St. Louis Blues since game the three. Hand pass game, right? The hand pass game was the last time San Jose Sharks won against San Jose against against the St. Louis Blues. So it took that long. So last year the Blues beat the bejesus out of them. Yeah, they were not good last year at all. Yeah, so Thanos, so that's their first win against St. Louis since the hand pass game. So interesting stat there. So the Blues finished two one and one. Not a bad start, I guess. I guess you look at that, and if you just not see any of the games and you saw that, you would kind of be at least at least happy. I mean, you've gotten five out of a possible eight points. It, what bothers me in no particular order is the amount of penalties that the blues are committing the ineptitude of the blues power play. And there just seems to be a general disconnect offensively with this team outside of that first game, that first game, they were humming on all cylinders. They looked fantastic. Yeah, it looked great. The other three games, they just it, – it's like it's almost there, but it's not. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they have a like, shift where it looks like, great. Yeah, they have a shift where they look great, and then – Two or three where they don't at all. Um, I think Hoffman is having a rough time fitting in. Um, I agree there. I think that Krug is doing okay. I think he's yeah. learning to be like a top defenseman. I think yes. he's always been like, oh, I had Chara, I had McAvoy, I had other guys that were maybe on my, let's say on my level, but maybe like, you know, I think he was always number three or four in ice time on yeah, uh, Austin, and now he's number, you know, two. 
for two, basically. Uh, by the way, Justin Falk is leading the Blues in ice time right now. Uh, I have no problems with Justin Falk's game. Through played 26 minutes on the overtime game, 23 minutes in his two-goal game. So right now, for all the negatives we kind of brought up so far, the positive is that one of the things we talked about in the offseason, we talked about our pregame, our pregame, our preseason show, Mm -hmm. that Justin Falk needs to help fill the gap in where – Alex Petrangelo is. Yeah. And so I think far, he's doing a great job so far. I'm pretty good. I mean, like, I think the, which, which we'll talk, we kind of talked about the penalty kill, which is something I kind of like lost over before, but Blues lost three of their top penalty killers, too. You lost Petrangelo, you lost uh, Dave Omeister, and you lost Alexander Steen. So you lost guys who've been out there and have been doing that particular thing and pretty decent for the Blues for quite some time now. Right. So you got to have other guys fill in. So it's kind of those things with, you have an abbreviated training camp. You have a bunch of new guys, and you have a bunch of guys who are on the team now assuming new roles, like Colton Prego, number one defenseman. Right. Um, you have guys on a penalty kill getting more time now. Like, I think Jane Schwartz got a little more time. Oscar Sundquist is out there. Barbashev has been out there. So you have guys that are out there now doing jobs that other veterans been doing for this team for quite some time. So uh, it's interesting to see that uh, – it's going to be interesting to see how fast they kind of come around. And the faster that happens, the faster I think uh, the better this season is going to go. Um, yes. I'm just hoping that by the time that happens, it's not a game like 50 and the Blues are fighting. I mean, if, hey, if they're in the playoff spot and they're starting to hum on all cylinders around game 50, great. Great. As long as you're in a playoff spot by that game 50, I'll be happy, which is one of the reasons why I'm happy, kind of happy they're in the West because we talked about how weak this division is. Um, you got upcoming games this weekend. You play the LA Kings back to back Saturday and Sunday uh, at home. And then they start on their West coast swing and they go over to face former captain, uh, Alex Petrangelo and the Vegas golden Knights who are currently undefeated right now. Uh, three, no, uh, Petrangelo did have his first goal last night. I saw on the win. And so not too uh, bad for him. So the Vegas, and then they play, uh, I'm looking there. I had it right here. Then, boy, Anaheim. While you're Anaheim. looking that up, let me ask you a question about the power play. Do you think the pow- the problem with the power play this year? Because remember, last year the Blues had a, a pretty damn good power play. Rank number three. Do you last think year. the problem is the change in personnel? Do you think it is Jim Montgomery putting in a new system? Do you think it's a combination of both, or do you think it is just that these guys need to get used to playing with each other. Because to me, that power play looks like five dudes playing pickup hockey. Like they've never played together. It just looks completely like five dudes doing five different things. Yeah, and I think also the lack of adjustment bothered me too. It's like when it wasn't going and working, the Blues got another power play like relatively soon after they had one, and it was the same thing. It's like guys like – it's a red line. If they get pressure, drop it to the back guy. Get full speed and get across the line. Drop it to the guy waiting at the blue line. Then push it down low. And then cycle it around to the point and then get a point shot. Yeah. You know, and it really like – and then the only time it really happened is when they didn't do that and they worked it down low and there were some seam passes and Hoffman missed a one-timer and Perron had a really good one-timer in the San Jose game and it had a good save by uh, Martin Jones. Yeah. So, I mean, so that when they had a guy down low, it seemed like the power play was working, but the, when they kind of keep doing the old cycle it up high, as much as like we always kind of gave Petrangelo crap for like never getting it on net or getting his shot blocked all the time. Um, the defense right now aren't do, getting it through either. So, yeah. And I think the other thing that bothers me to, to piggyback off that is it doesn't seem like anybody moves. They'll move in their area, but I don't see a lot of like switching out positions to try to get the defense crossed up. Like, you know, like great example, Hoffman will sit on the half boards and he'll skate in and then he'll skate back out. He'll skate up a little bit and then he'll skate back. But you don't see him switching with, let's say, O'Reilly, who's behind the net, or going to the other side and switching with Perron or coming to the point and switching with someone else. It seems like everyone's got their spot 
and they move within their spot, but no one is moving to make the defense really have to move and adjust. You know, the defense is able to sit in their box and just kind of float around in their spaces, and we're not making the defense make the mistakes that you need in coverage to get somebody open. Because that's the whole thing with the man advantage. If you make the defense move, they can't, four people physically can't cover five. It, that's just physics. And if you're moving, somebody's going to be open. But if you just stand in place, you can, you can cover the gaps and the defense doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they figure this out. Like, you know, once again, it's one of the things where I hopefully I just feel like I'm making excuses, but it's like it's game four. I kind of trying to pump the brakes on the sky is falling talk. Um, I don't think reason. the sky is falling, but it's certainly something that now you're four games in and you're 0-11 – it's a little concerning. Oh, I'll say that for sure. It's just hopefully it's one thing to be like, okay, you're getting good shots and you faced that you've maybe hit the post a couple of times or you've had right. some good saves, but we've probably, let's say at least 50% of them, they looks like their name on the power play. I, I know at least five of those power plays, they haven't even put a shot on goal. Yeah. And that's something that it's very hot. They're very hot. Like we talk about hot and cold They're when they're it's on, it seems like they'll score every power play. Right. Like one or two a game for like a stretch of five to ten games, and then they won't score for ten games. And then, yeah. you know, then they'll go up and down. So hopefully this is the low part, and then they'll start scoring a bunch in the, in the coming weeks. Like we talked about, they uh, have this weekend against the Kings, and then they go next week, Tuesday, Thursday, all 8 o'clock games uh, for the West Coast as they play the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, two games in three days, and then they play – the Anaheim Ducks to uh, next weekend. So, yep. uh, back to backs there be nice. It's kind of, I kind of think you may be seeing a new type of scheduling coming up because I've seen a lot of really good feedback online about how this is being done. And players are kind of like digging, like having stay in one spot and you're not like going city to city to city, you know, back to back nights or two out of three nights. You're traveling. You get to like right. go back to the hotel and get a good night's sleep, and then you can still stay in the same city. I wouldn't be surprised if this type of scheduling kind of sticks in the future when the, in a non-COVID season. That's how baseball does it. it it'd be interesting. I kind of like it where you, especially where you don't have. Remember, the Blues always have the two. They have two big normal uh, trips. They have the West Coast swing they always do, and they have the Western Canada swing. Yeah. Imagine instead of doing those twice a year each, you do them once. Yeah. And you knock them all out at once. You just have it like maybe you're gone for almost two weeks. Then you're home for two weeks. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens uh, in the future. If they start making teams play back-to-backs or two games in three nights and move to the next city. So I wouldn't wouldn't put that that past this because it seems like that it might be gaining traction. Agreed. We'll do a couple of quick NHL notes. There was a trade with a former uh, St. Louis Blue involved. Uh, Colorado traded Ian Cole to the Minnesota Wild for Greg uh, Paterin. I'll say Paterin, Paterin. So it kind of was basically making way for their big uh, draft pick, uh, Byron. Byron Byron? That's a Bowen Byron, excuse me. And he makes his actually making his NHL debut tonight. So he's their he was the guy who they got from Ottawa during the whole Matthew Shane trade, and he was yep. the number he's in the top he's a top three pick. So he is really good. So it doesn't surprise me if they're making room for him, and they get a penalty killing uh, right-handed defenseman in return. So and they, they also are retaining some of uh, Ian Cole's salary to help offset that. So Minnesota gets Ian Cole, who is believe it or not a two-time Cup winner. Uh, thanks, for the- thanks, Pittsburgh. Yeah, from Pittsburgh, you know, so. Speaking of, odd stat that I didn't realize until game one of this year. Do you realize that in four years in the NHL, Oscar Sundquist has three Stanley Cups? Yeah, weird, huh? Yeah, he's on like the uh, Black Aces, technically, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. And then he had, uh, then what was the other one he was? St. Louis. St. Louis. He said three cups. I'm trying to think, so. 
Two with two with Pittsburgh. Well, two with Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was at the taxi squad on both, I think. But so I didn't taxi squad, the Black Aces squad. But yeah, yep. interesting. So crazy for him. But uh, three time okay. cup winner, Oscar Sandquist. Yeah. So let's see here. Oh, the other big news is coming out of Washington. So we'll, we'll go the first. The, Cal- the Carolina Hurricanes have uh, been had all their their facilities shut down and so everything suspended right now. They had a minor outbreak of COVID-related uh, illnesses. Um, nothing confirmed on if anybody has it, just they're all in protocol right now. Uh, Tebu Tararainen is one of them, messing up my fantasy team. But the big one that's messing up my fantasy team is coming out of Washington. So interesting, a lot of drama behind this one. So this is just coming today. We're recording on the 21st. So the Washington was fined $100,000 for – for players breaking COVID protocol. And those Whoops. players, so tell me if you see a pattern here real quick. So players that are involved, they're Alexander Ovechkin, Alexei Knetsov, Dmitry Orlov, and Ilya Samsonov. Mm. Can I take Russian players for a thousand, Alex? You would, uh, you would, that would be it. So all of them, uh, so what is coming, the rumor at least has come out today is that uh, those four players are all in uh, Samsonov's hotel room, which obviously, with when you're on the road, you can't even leave your hotel room. And so they let you get done with the game. You're assigned to your hotel room, and if you have a roommate or whatever, that's who you're with. You're not allowed to go to somebody else's hotel room, go get a drink, go do whatever. You're literally like in the hotel room. You're quarantined. So apparently, decided to come to their uh, Samsonov's room and sit around maskless who knows what they're doing just hanging out doing whatever That's doing Russian stuff whatever we can stereotype and say they're drinking or doing whatever but we won't do that so Lots of vodka, maybe yeah. so there's all hanging out maskless so samsonov is one being reported that he tested positive for covid19 which led to all this um i guess that's how it got discovered and so all four of those players are now out for the next four games for the Capitals. The Capitals have their top scorer, their top, one of their goalies, their top center, one of their top, one of their top four defensemen in COVID protocol for four games. Two of those are against the Pittsburgh Penguins next week. I believe one was supposed to be an NBC game too. So I'm sure the NHL wasn't happy. Obviously the hundred thousand dollar fine is part of that. Um, add to the drama that was just breaking up when I was doing some research before we hit the record button uh, Alexander Ovechkin's wife decided to put on Instagram that um, what's going on is basically crap that both Orlov and Ovechkin have the antibodies because I guess they've had it already she didn't really say that but they said they have the antibodies I mean that means they've had it already so that's the case. She says they should be like, what's going on? You should be able to go to each other's room and hang out. That is, it's like a prison. And basically wasn't thrilled with how the NHL is running things and all the different COVID protocols that are going on. Um, I mean, if we want to have a season, it's just kind of like how it has to be for right now, depending on how, however you feel about what is going on. It's right now. It's like, they have to try to protect the health of every single player, no matter um uh, if you had it before or not had it yet, then just what they've have it. That's the protocols they have in place. And no, what else to tell you? You know, uh, we talked about this a little bit during the bubble, mainly from the player's point of view. And they were talking about, Oh, well, it's so long to be away and we miss our families. And, and now you have it with, you know, Ovechkin's wife coming out and saying things. I look at this much like when Kurt Warner's wife started talking smack against the Rams towards the end of Warner's tenure in St. Louis or Albert Pujol's wife when she started talking smack against the Cardinals in the city after he left for, for LA. With all due respect, Mrs. Ovechkin, shut the F up. Like, just stop. You're not going to do your husband any favors by running your mouth. Um, the, the protocols are in place for a reason. 
I look at it like the people who don't want to wear a mask in public. I get that it's not fun. I get that it's probably a pretty boring life to play a game and then come back and be isolated to your hotel room. And I got to imagine someone like Alexander Ovechkin probably doesn't have to have a roommate. You get paid a lot of money, a lot of money to play hockey, to play a game, play a kid's game. Shut up, go to your room, order a really nice meal that you don't have to pay for, order a movie, and go to bed. That's it. Like, I, and it's and also let's not pretend like you're staying at Holiday Inn or Motel Six. Like these guys are staying at four star hotels or better. So it, it's not like being confined to your hotel room is a bad thing, you know. So I understand it's not ideal. I understand that you may want to go and hang with the guys, but in in today's COVID world right now. It is what it is, and you've got to do what you've got to do to keep the games in the league on track, and especially someone like Alexander Ovechkin, um, who we had the same comp- we had the same discussion about him about a year ago when he opted out of the All Star game, and I said, "Dude, you're you're a face of the of the league, not just your franchise of the league," and I think. In this example, it's the same thing. You need to set an example for everybody else in the league. And you need to follow the rules. Like, you need to be a leader. I don't care if you don't think you should, if it's not what you signed up for. It's been thrust upon you. Greatness finds great people. And he's a great player. And like it or not, he needs to do what's asked of him to keep the league moving forward. That's my two cents. You can disagree with me and say that, oh, people are human. They're going to do what they're going to do. But I think in a situation like this, you've got to make sacrifices. You have to. Yeah. I mean, I'll, uh, my two cents on that is just, I'm I'm on pretty much the same lines as you. Just like, yeah, it sucks. And it's probably like your normal routine is go hang out with the guys and go do whatever just it could be go play cards it could go do this do whatever unfortunately a lot of people millions of people in the world have had to adapt in the last year mind you could be working from home it could be um having to wear certain protective gear now when you do your job it could be doing uh your job in a different manner now people have had to adjust or you know like come home like i like my daughter had to all look how millions of kids now do virtual learning some are doing better. Some are doing okay. Some are not doing as good. Um, it's been thrust upon everybody. Some people are struggling with it. Some people are doing okay with it. Um, yep. Uh, hopefully, with things are starting to trend up, hopefully a vaccine will start to turn things around. Um, I saw St. Louis numbers are starting to go down, which is good to hear. Yep. So let's kind of hopefully uh, things get better. And like you said, it play a lot of money to play hockey and you get a lot of stuff and you get to go to that hotel and you're not paying for that hotel here that nope. that's food that you're getting is not paid for by you like you're yeah and you ain't eating stipend. bloody sandwiches yeah and you're probably getting a nice meal and guess and the thing is now too is i guess it's easy made for me and you because we're gamers so we can you know it's easy for us to say like sure. okay and i'll pack my ps5 and i will bring it to the room and hook it up, get some internet, make sure I have a good internet card and I'll jump on and play a game yeah. or do whatever. Or you bring your iPad and watch a movie now, or we you know what I'm saying. To me, yeah. it's like that nowadays, yeah. it's not like if this was happening in the eighties or nineties where it's very hard to get by. Yes. You know, now you it's like you have the guys download a poker app and everyone jump on and play poker. Yeah. You literally have a cell phone that can literally make, you can look up anything in the world or watch virtually anything you want the palm of your hand now so easy for maybe easy for us to say but me i think it's just follow the follow the the protocols even if you've had it before that it tries makes me think that you not say you're better than anybody but it's things like i'm above the rules oh i've had it some good it's like well okay but if you've had it already, just thought you have it so dude i've had it and i'm still 
I'm still acting the same way that I did before I had it. Yeah. Like I, I don't go out unless I have to. If I go out, I wear a mask. Like it's because like you said, it's not just about you, you know, just because I've had it, you know, I may not be able to pick it up and transmit it right now, but there's a comfort level that comes with other people seeing you wearing a mask in public. You know, it's easier for me to put the mask on than just to go up to everyone and be like, oh, I've already had it. So I have antibodies for a few months. Yeah. Are you sure? Like yeah. if someone said that to me, I'd be like, can you prove that? Yeah. So, I can't. It's not like I have a piece of paper that says I'm immune for the next 90 days. Yeah. So like I said, hopefully this kind of is a wake up call to everybody around the league. They just needed one person yeah. to kind of skirt the rules and hopefully like Dallas had the, had an outbreak, but from all, all intents and purposes, just somebody had it and they're all were training and it just spread just like any other thing happens. Like you right. flew like, there's always one time a year when the blues will play around this time and the blues would have the flu bug mm-hmm. and it would just slowly go through the locker room and they would have a stretch of games where they just looked awful because everybody was going through having the flu. Go from the next what person, was, the next person, the next person, the next person. What was the, uh, what was the disease a few years ago that like ripped through the NHL and they traced it back to the blues? Was it smallpox? Measles. Measles. That's it. It started yeah. in Minnesota, like Minnesota, like they got somebody got it, like Minnesota, they got it from that rink or something like that because two teams got it from Minnesota. So yeah, it was like measles or something like that. So yeah, like I said, and like just, the Blues gave it to the Ducks yeah, and the, the Kings and yeah. the Canucks. Yeah. Like we were we were like the outbreak monkey for measles. Yeah. So, so it's crazy. So yeah, just hopefully this is a wake up call. Everybody around the league. So I saw the Carolina now is uh, they purchased their own rapid testing machine. Because it was done wow. by like independently for all these tests, and NHL was just paying like companies to come in and do all this testing. So they literally bought a rapid test machine for the like be at their training facilities. So as soon as you walk in, you do rapid test. Nice. So uh, that could be something that's that a much a less invasive test, by the way. I I wish I knew. I'm a, I've had it twice now. So did you get I'll, stabbed uh, in the brain? Yes, my felt like my right eye uh, was. Up, hooked with a uh, uh, cotton swab, so not great. I had the rapid test, and it's just inside your nostril, it's nothing. Yeah, and hopefully, I don't have to go through it anymore. So, we'll see. But, but if they do next time, I'll hopefully go for that one. So, all right, we'll wrap it up there and we'll move on. Uh, hopefully, the blues two one on one so far. Hopefully, we can improve on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, LA is uh, unfortunately they are 0 2 and 1, so not good. So that's one of those things where you a team went and got into the first win. You're kind of like, it's going to happen. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't. Let's hopefully uh, the Blues uh, pull out maybe a, a weekend sweep. So if you want to find the podcast, uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, and many more podcast apps. And but you also can find it on our website. It's Blues Hockey podcast.com and net and also we have a bunch of different social medias out there so if you want to find us on those you have facebook and instagram is at blues hockey podcast and you can find us on twitter at blues hockey nhl and chris is at i am at hossapalooza and uh, just so your word jason you're gonna to have to tell me what happens in the sunday blues game because i will not be watching yeah chris is uh, right now we're doing this via zoom uh being very good on socially distant right now. Chris has got his uh, Bill's hoodie on. He's ready to go. So, Chris, uh, I know I know between you and Donnie are massive Bill's fans are very yeah. excited for this weekend. So, the first time back in the AFC title game since 1994. 90- when we beat Joe Montana and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, and so it'll be interesting in to see what happens there. At Arrowhead, so that's another the game. So hopefully history repeats itself, minus the Joe Montana part. Correct. So, uh, and I know yeah. that probably a lot of people listening to this podcast are Chiefs fans. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Your team can go f itself on Sunday, and then we can be friends again on Monday when the Bills are hopefully in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So uh, hopefully the Blues get a season, uh, get a series, uh, weekend sweep. 
Chris gets to the Bills going to the Super Bowl, and Chris will be freaking out for a couple weeks. Uh, I got to tell you right now, and I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. Um, I've always said that the two times I would cry in public would be when the Blues win the Stanley Cup and the Bills win the Super Bowl. And I, I cried like a little girl with a skin knee when the Blues won the Cup two years ago. I don't know what I'll do if the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl just because they've been so bad for so long. Like, it's not like the Blues where they kept making the playoffs and then would, like, just lose to the team that won the Cup or make a run and then fall apart. Like, yeah, they went to four Super Bowls in the 90s and, and lost four in a row. But, like, the Bills have been terrible for most of the last 20 years. Like, since 99, they didn't make the playoffs again until 2018. Uh, and then they, they lost in the first round. And then they lost again in the first round to Houston last year when they were up by, like, a billion at the half. And then they finally won two games this year. If the Bills can win the Super Bowl this year, I don't know what I'm going to do because all of my teams will have won championships. I won't, I won't have a team anymore that's the lovable loser. Yeah, so it'll be a different feeling for once. So yeah. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, so I will be keeping uh, Chris abreast on that. And then the weekend after that, the Blues play back-to-back, and then we will have the, the two two TV system next Sunday. Why we will have it next Sunday? Yeah. It's our, one of my favorite nights of the year is that the Blues will uh, – excuse me, Blues play and – it's Royal Rumble. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that next, next week. Year. Yeah, one of my favorite nights of the year. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, for now, go Blues and uh, go Bills. Go Bills, go Blues. Go Bills, go Blues.